Welcome to Unraveled Podcast. I'm Bridget. And I'm Mackenzie. This is the place where we unravel all the things on our hearts. Laughter, tears, and real talk are all invited. Here we go. Hi. Hey, sis. Happy, what day is it? I know. I actually don't. Is it Tuesday or Wednesday? It's Wednesday. It's Wednesday. Here we are. Wow. Middle of the week, hump day treat. Brought to you by Unraveled Podcast. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, okay. Also, something we didn't share last time is happy 10-year friend anniversary. Oh, my gosh. I know. I know. I Wow. I completely, I feel like it almost brushed by us. And then I think you texted me a picture um, some reminder about seek and it really brought back all of the sweet memories. I know it was so special because Bridget and I, you guys were not at the seek. I don't know why. I guess I just didn't think about it because we're just in the trenches of all <laughs> things. But then I saw so many people we know, um, there and people from our retreats meeting each other there and just so much excitement. It looked fabulous. And then oh. I can't believe we were there 10 years ago. It doesn't even make sense. That and is- sis, do you think, I don't know the numbers on Seek, but like, do you think it's grown? To me, it looks like it's either grown or at least they've just like leveled up with their like branding and their offerings there. I mean, it was still incredible when you and I went, but I mean, just seeing like the awesome booths and like how many Catholic vendors are there. <laughs> I just felt like, wow, like I feel like it's stronger than ever almost. I felt the same way. The video, like, which I know you appreciate, like we didn't have that stuff. Stunning. There was no video footage. We hardly got, I don't know if we have a photo. Maybe Johnny has one of us. We got to find that one photo of the three of us. The one thing that Johnny and I always listen to, and I don't know if you remember this moment and she thinks it's about her. (laughs) Um, but we, oh, when we play it, we think of that moment because Seek was really a turning point for all three of us. And oh, I think yeah. the cool thing is that it was a turning point for all three of us in different ways, like mm-hmm. separately. Like mm-hmm. you came by yourself. I was planning to come by myself. Mm-hmm. And literally the night before, Johnny was like, I want to come to this thing with you. Um, but I, for all intents and purposes, I was planning to go alone. Um and I think that, like, God worked in all three of us in different ways. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, the pivotal moment, a pivotal, pivotal moment in all of our lives. Like, yeah, we could write a book and maybe we'll share it someday. I think it bringing up Seek also brings up something else that's been on my heart about, like, friendship. And mm-hmm. I think that because I've had this really cool experience happen with a few friends in my life where, like, you have an immediate unspoken like we are gonna be tight friends and it's like almost like not even said but it's this is just like connection when you make friends with someone who you just have so much in common usually there's an undertone of faith or belief of some kind Mm. that kind of like bonds you and I feel like you move to a new place and you kind of are so spoiled from those experiences of deep Mm -hmm. friendship that you you start to meet the people around you and you're like okay like where is my deep friend (laughs) And mm-hmm. something I've been praying with is like, that is a gift, like to immediately have that sort of a soul connection with someone. And you may have other friendships, but there may only be a few people in your life that you have like a very deep connection with like that. And what happened to us at Seek was very unique, I think. Oh my gosh. It's so unique. You hardly ever, 
have friends. I mean, it's rare. It's beautiful when it happens, but friends for life because of, you know, being vulnerable and sharing your stories and having, um, exactly. yes, commonalities. Uh, usually those long friendships are, well, we just, we met when we were little, so we've been friends forever or, you know, we grew up together, but it's not like a choice. And mm-hmm. so that's what you go out seeking truly after. Yeah situations like that and one of my friends who was at seek sent the theme to me because she was like I can't believe you and Bridget met here 10 years ago I don't think get that um Emily sent this um and Catherine was there B but oh wow and so many people were there that from our retreats um but one the theme was I might pronounce it wrong new Coepi have you heard of this Uh -uh. so it's by venerable Bruno Lantieri and he says if I should fall a thousand times a day a thousand times a day, I will begin again with new awareness of my weakness, promising God with a peaceful heart to amend my life. Wow. Think of God as if he were of our condition and grows weary of our wavering weakness, negligence. Rather, I will think of what is truly characteristic of him and what he prizes most highly. That is his goodness and mercy, knowing that he is a loving father who understands our weakness, is patient with us and forgives us. Now mm-hmm. I begin. Now I begin. Wow. I love that so much. So I think that's such a good theme. Um, for today, we're going to talk about Bridget's last weekend. It's just January. What a month. Like, because you started off with a brand new year and then a lot of friends of ours went to seek, which is a great way to start the year. It's life. It's a game changer. They even said that, um, on a podcast I recently listened to that you have a choice. You could find your vocation here. And I agree with that. You and Johnny mm. found your vocations there together. It's just wild. I think so. Yeah. Then the week you went to March for life. Like it's just wild. Yeah. I think January is a, yeah, a jam packed month. It can feel, it can also feel like a, it can either feel like a blah month or it can really <laughs> feel like okay, I'm ready to take this year on. And that's something I've also been sitting with. Like there've been some days in January where I'm like, all right, let's take on these goals. Let's do these things. Um, You know, sitting down with my prayer books or hitting the gym. And then there's other days that I'm like, uh, like I didn't do any of it. Um, But I think that, yeah, I think January is a great time to think about like newness. And I love that beautiful theme of seek that you just shared um, because I think it is connected to, you know, what we're going to go into, um, speaking about, which is the, the March for life and the, the beautiful experience, um, that many of us got to have, um, whether they were virtually following along or marching in person. Um, but I think the coolest thing that I want to share about the trip I made to DC was just this wild realization that row was overturned and how many times you and I and other people have traveled to DC to March and thinking like, will this ever, will we ever see this in our lifetime? And, um, there was a group of elderly folks that were in a huddle and you know how there's so many signs Mm -hmm. and it's like hard, but like you have a moment at the March where like you spot like a really cool message and you're just like, Oh wow. Like Mm -hmm. that is piercing. And it was this group of old folks and, and they had been to the very first March for life, this group. (laughs) And I was like gonna cry because these folks were like pushing 90. And all I could think of was like, that is dedication to a cause. And there have been marches, I'll, I'll admit, 
where I've in the back of my head been like, this is never going to happen. You know, like, why are we doing this? Mm -hmm. You know, like you still show up and it's still an awesome, you know, it's a Catholic family Christian (laughs) reunion. It feels like, like you see all the people. Um, But, but I think it was a moment of like humility in for me to say like, God is a God of miracles and big miracles. And even though it doesn't mean that the um, fight is not over for the pro-life movement, um, I think the way that um, Jeannie Mancini, the president of the March for Life, said it is like she basically said, don't mistake in this for the fight being over. Like this has now gone from one large battle to like 50 mini battles, like state oh. to state. And so people need to understand and we all know that like the 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 media and social media is really like they make whatever story they want to make up at mm-hmm. this point, you know? And so they got, you know, all of these um, leftist groups so upset thinking like abortion is gone forever. And actually <laughs> that is not true at all. Like, as you can see, big tech is flying people if they choose, if they need to get an abortion, like all the big tech companies came out as a whole and said, you know, we would like to help you support, you know, ending, you know, your pregnancy. So, um, so it's not, it's not over. Like the fight for life is definitely not over, but it was a huge step in the right direction. And there was a joy there that I had never felt before. Oh, the air had to be different. Like I can't even imagine. Yeah. It felt different. There's been so many years, of course, like you said, there was one year you were probably there. I was in New York and flew down or trained down and it was like 20 degrees. It was awful. (laughs) It was miserable. It was freezing. And I was like, okay, let's march, you know? Right. Like there's moments. Yeah. Didn't you bring, you brought tea when she was little. Cause I remember pictures. Year. But one year in college, I brought my friend Steph, and my mom was like, "You guys got to come." And I'm like, "All right, oh. we'll come." We were 19. We we're like, "All right, we'll do it." But but it was freezing. And to your point, there like it's not always like funny. It's not like this fun thing. It's like you, yeah, there's moments where you're like, "Why are we doing this? I, am I suffering?" But then it's so beautiful to see. Like, are you kidding me? 90 year olds who have been there since day one. Could you the cry? first one? Yeah. Oh, so did you see Jonathan Rumi? I I forgot he was there. And that's incredible that he was there. There were so many big time speakers. Like, well, I think that, um, it, so I saw footage of his speech, but I had already run to the front of the march to get, um, cause I was there with Belmont Abbey. So I was partially enjoying it, but partially also like, I got to make sure I get my shots. Um, but it was just so cool to see like what he posted about it because he said, you know, I, if you go on Instagram, if people want to go look at the post that I'm referencing, he has these awesome clips of him in front of everybody on stage. And the copy that he wrote under the post was really saying, I've, I've, um, held this part of my beliefs, like very close to me, um, being an actor. And for many years, I wasn't sure if I wanted to share my, how I feel about about like my strong stance on pro-life. And then he said, you know, God showed up for me today and really showed me that like, like living in the truth is like always the right way to go. And it just made me think like how many of us have like hidden parts of ourselves in certain groups, you know, because we're afraid, like, what will they think of me if I believe this? 
That's so good. There's a, yeah, there's some inauthenticity there too. Like in a way it's really selfish to not share, share the truth. I almost said share your truth, share the truth because then you're manipulating the person to love you and, Oh, let me just, you know, edit my beliefs so that I'm wow. like, you know, you can, you have to always stand in your truth, even though it's hard. Um, you know, you have to, because then you're being selfish to everybody, to yourself and to the other person. And so I think that's huge. And I'm sure his, wow. his role as Jesus, like that had to have been the catalyst. Like, how can you deny like God in that? Like, I have to, I have to stand firm. Well, yeah. And I think he he was talking maybe about his life before he started to play Jesus in the chosen. Um, but yeah, it was just like so cool to see. Um, and also a lot of, you know, non-Catholic Christians were there and to, to have to see that amount of people show up for a march post row, you know, there's probably like, I was thinking like, are people even going to come? Because, um, you know, they might think that, you know, yeah, we, we've, we, we've conquered what we came to do. Um, but I think it was beautiful to see that like so many people still came, um, and Liberty university, which is a Christian college, like they held the like banner at the front of the march. And there were so many of their students and, um, one of my biggest, um, I guess, realizations when I was there was how many young people, like I really don't remember seeing that many young people at any other march, like oh. in previous years. It was all Gen Zers. Like there no. were definitely adults there, but it was like packed with Gen Z. Wow. And that just made me so hopeful. Oh, I'm hopeful too, because right now all we see is the media and, you know, bashing Gen Zers and TikTok and, you know, just these selfish young Gen Zers that aren't doing anything or that are, you know, buying the lie that pro-choice is the way. So that's crazy that you're saying it was filled with them. That's huge. It's beautiful. And your little sister was there, obviously. I know. She was there. (laughs) I barely even saw her because she was there with all like younger people. And I was just like, oh my gosh, like it's the new generation. I have to let them do their thing. (laughs) let them fly (laughs) yeah like I mean we met up a couple times but you know they were just like bopping all around and meeting up with other people and it was just it was really cool to see that generation taking the effort to drive all the way up to DC um for this movement um and my sister's been really hit hard I mean when she has ever posted anything pro-life she has had like, I mean, so many people come out on social media, which we've probably all experienced. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was really proud of her to see her come back, to see her not afraid to post again. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, I think that um, a lot of people, a lot of young people, I think are sick of these lies that we have mm-hmm. to do certain things. And I think, um, I just think that when you've been uh, betrayed by a system or, the cracks of a narrative start to reveal themselves. People want truth. People are naturally drawn to beauty, truth, and goodness. And I don't know if it's just the circles that we are in, but I feel like I'm starting to see this turn. I don't know if you are of just like people really searching for the truth. I agree. B. And also like, especially with the um, pill uh, to start, you know, birth. Oh yeah. That's been a huge shift. Finally, I feel that it's now looked down upon to not look down upon in like a who are you to take it, but mostly like you're killing your body. Yeah. Like the health reasons. And so when people start opening their eyes to that, they start to dig deeper, like what you said, to the narrative, like the deeper 
wish of these pharmaceutical companies or this movement on the left, like it all is to get it all together. So I think it starts there with the seeking of the truth and people desiring freedom in that. So, yeah. Yeah, I think there's all this, it's like a shift. It feels like a shift. Like people Mm -hmm. have been betrayed by the birth control movement too, because Mm -hmm. now like so many of our peers are suffering from infertility Mm -hmm. and that breaks my heart to see. Like, I mean, that is, that is something that, you know, some, some people can um, overcome that, Mm -hmm. but some can't. And, and some have, some of it is caused not at all by the birth control pill, but largely a lot of a lot of friends of mine who were on it for 10 or 12 years have had some sort of complication at some some point in time. And I think that a lot of us are saying, like, no more. And it's mm-hmm. not just with these these issues, but it's everything. Like, I feel like people are kind of in a movement now where they're even, like, shopping differently. Like, they don't want to go to these mega stores. You yeah. know, they don't want to support big tech in all the ways that yeah. they used to. And so I, I don't know. I feel like you guys have probably seen – more of a culture change with like moving to South Dakota. Um, But even just moving back down South, I've noticed like, wow, like there really is a goodness here. And it Mm -hmm. feels like there is still a battle out there for sure. Like there is good and evil and, you know, a quick scroll on social media and you're like, holy cow. Like I re I just saw a post this morning about, um, I don't know, like a kindergarten teacher with a doll, like teaching kids that, Mm -hmm. you know, you shouldn't reference it as boy or girl, oh. but just as kid and that we don't need to talk about genders and, and to little five-year-olds. And I was just like, Lord, I think I need to put my phone away. Like this is sending me, like it is sending me to a dark, worried place. <laughs> it is. Oh my gosh. But you know, like, yeah, just for the future, like what, because you and I and other, other parents that feel the way that we feel, you know, it's one thing to say, we're going to protect our children. We're going to make sure that they're in certain circles or homeschool them, which a lot of people are choosing, but largely beyond my own children, I look at these things and I'm like, this is the generation that our kids will be around. Yeah. So it doesn't matter how we raise our kids. Like there's a larger global issue of like the ideology that is being pumped out to other children. And so I guess my prayer is just like, Lord, build the strength of the goodness that we're seeing this movement of like pursuing truth and like help our children to have the strength they need Mm -hmm. to live in the generation that they were, that they were, you know, given. Mm -hmm. And, And that's the only way when we, when you find yourself like in the throes of motherhood, which B and I talk about all the time, sometimes the only way you can, live this pro-life movement, this pro-truth movement mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is by having babies if you're blessed to have them and yeah. well and Ooh. in the truth. Sometimes that's the only the only way. And you said it like raising these kids to decipher between good and evil, to to not be curious to go deeper into the evil, but more so disgusted with it and more in tune to beauty and desire. Yeah beauty and that's the only that's how I love that that's all we can do we can't I mean yes as much as we joke about wanting a commune and to get rid of everybody else like that's not practical in this day and age it's just everywhere right and so just allowing them to have eyes to see oh that's beautiful yeah it's hard I'm I'm nervous but but yeah I don't know how have you seen yeah I want to talk about how we've 
seen pro-life in our lives as in mother in our families in our communities and how important that is I think I mean I think you just said it like um our it's funny our speaker I think I told you this before, but one of our speakers on retreat, Beth, once told me, yeah, anytime I saw something crazy in culture, it made me just want to have another baby. And she was like, that was my way of like fighting back. Like I'm going to raise like – I'm going to raise children in the truth and I'm going to raise children in goodness. And I thought that at first I was like, wow, that sounds so extreme. Like go have another baby. I don't know if I'm up for all these babies, babies. but I don't know. Now I kind of see like, you know how, like with when time passes, you sort of like see a comment in a new way. Yes. And I kind of like see what she was saying now, like that really is our, that really is like what we can do in this day and age is just have beautiful families. Mm -hmm. And like you said, like raise them to love beauty and truth. And um, I think that that is all we can control. Um, (laughs) But there's so many ways to be pro-life at home. Like I I feel like honestly, something that I could work on is like, as the babies keep coming, really trying to orient yourself towards positive thinking and Mm -hmm. positive speaking, especially when talking to people outside your family, because mm-hmm. I think sometimes um, like I'll catch myself and I'm like, oh my gosh, I wish I hadn't shared that complaint or I wish I hadn't, mm-hmm. you know, shared that I was just venting. But then you mm-hmm. think about it and you're like, well, wait a second, like that, what kind of message is that sending, you know, to people who might be wanting a family, but they're nervous, or maybe they want a third baby, but you just kind of unloaded all your stuff. And now they're like, well, now I'm scared to have a third. (laughs) So I think that it's like really showing the goodness of growing families Mm -hmm. and the good moments because there are, and even though we're bone tired and we always joke about that, um, it's totally fine to admit that. Um, but I think that also just like being as open as we can with how, how beautiful it is and how great it is. That's so good. Yeah. And I think there's that line of like, you know, obviously it's easy on social media to just show the good stuff. Right. But also sharing the hard things because we're in community with one another. Uh, Other moms are going through it too. So the best band together is like, Hey, like we were just talking offline. Like, how did you get them down? Well, you know, I had to be a little stern, you know, whatever it is like sharing with your sisters and brothers like how do we do this together because we want to raise saints and it's a hard battle but it's so true like adding another baby that a whole nother human being to fight for life and to fight for all these things we're talking about it's a crazy and like Augie Augie's sitting right here and I'm like I think that's another way to be pro-life right off is like to just do everything with your kid like and you're so good at that too sis like we're not gonna let babies kind of stop stop the role we're just taking them with us you take them with you and and show them how much you love them being part things take longer like make bread or or taking them on a shoot even be whatever like I know you have to nurse them like that stuff is that's beautiful you will never regret the you know yeah like if you have to pump or be out and about like I think I've realized like just kind of even like not dreading it like not Mm -hmm. dreading the moments of motherhood which I have had to grow in a lot um because I think there are some women that like really 
like every single moment of motherhood they just want to like relish in and soak up and yes. I think that's amazing and beautiful for them there are definitely parts of motherhood that can mm-hmm. be hard for me yes and, but I think it's just like being honest about those parts and just saying like I would not trade these kids for the world but are there moments that are not bright and shiny like absolutely um it's totally true and just changing your mindset too. Like this is really hard right now. That's okay. That's yeah. good. Like we'll get through it. We will get to 8 p.m. And I'm not going to wish this. I, I mean, I've caught, we both have caught ourselves calling and I wishing Franny to be four, which is such a joke because we were talking about Gracie is four now. My God, yeah. baby. And when they're yeah. like the known beautiful number four is just glorious, right? It but is. Ever want to wish those things away? Like you see, yeah. I know. Like you be like finding out you're pregnant soon after you had your first. Like that is a beautiful way to be pro-life. Being open for more babies. I'm about to have my fourth. I know. I was going to ask you, like speaking of with a fourth, like how did it feel finding out? Well, I remember how you found out because you Mm -hmm. shared it quickly with me and it was so sweet. Um, It was such a special moment for me when you shared. But um, like how did that feel knowing like, okay, like here comes number four. Yeah, I, I, maybe this sounds dumb and crazy, but I think it gets easier because I remember after T, it was such an identity shift, right? After our first, yeah. yeah. And I still see that with new moms and in the most beautiful way. I'm like, don't worry, girlfriend, you are, you're doing a great job. It's, it's yeah. just hard for one child. I don't know what that is. Um, when they're little and you're just talking to someone who doesn't talk back to you. Yeah. Um, and then, so I waited a little bit, well, whatever that means to, for Franny, you know, I, I, I didn't try that hard. I kind of was like, you know, not even looking forward to having a second being on it with everybody. I was yeah. kind of like, I have a baby. This is my baby and her name's baby T and that's right, it. Right. And this so, is what I can do. And this is all I can do right now because I have things to do. And it was, so that was like an awakening to have her and you had already had your second. So that was helpful. And then by the third, you're like, well, yeah, I want siblings. So then you're so excited for that. And then after three, cause, because three is so hard. Yes. Anybody three is hard. Um, the big adjustment. That four, when I found out, I was like, okay, great. We are blessed to be able to bang these out (laughs) and do it while we're young. (laughs) Exactly. And I feel like I remember you had such a piece in your voice when you told me about number four, who is the mystery baby, who I can't wait to find out is a boy or girl. Um, But I think that also that is such a pro-life moment because you're also ministering and evangelizing to other moms because like moms who have a third who can't imagine the fourth yet, they hear in your voice that you're just like, yep, we're pregnant again. Or like, here we go. Like, even if you're joking about like, let's do this. Mm-hmm. I think like the lightness in your voice is something that even as simple as that makes an impression on people. And you're light about it too, because we'll joke all the time. Hey, I could be pregnant now. Like, and that is how it should always be, right? Why haven't I been that way? And I love when I when you tell me that. Like, hey, what are these days? Truly, after three, you're like, all right, who cares? Bring it on. But it's true. Like, just being open in that, and just knowing that God knows what you need for some reason needed another lesson so he gave me another baby I mean he teaches us lessons in every way but V and I always talk about you guys like how he gives us babies for more lessons like more you just learn something 100%. right yeah so excited for that 
And I think that it's also like empowering as a couple, like to be like, you, you have these crazy days and I'm sure you and Paul and have the moments too, where you look at each other and you're just like, whoa, you're like, what did we just do? Like what just happened? Well, B's story last night was so funny. I forgot to text you about it. I wanted to tell Colin because it was so funny. Oh, our laundry? <laughs> no, the Coors, wait, you say it. What was it? A Coors light box. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I, that was like a, an impulse post. Like I woke up in the morning and I was like, Johnny, I think I should delete this. And he was like, no, it's funny. Like don't delete it. Truth in comedy. Why would you delete that? So it was, what was it? It was a box of Coors Light in the bedroom. And it's, they said, like, we had plans to have Tuesday night laundry folding. By the way, what time was it? Like 11? It was 11. It was 11. That's so funny. It's like, he was literally like, all right, I, first of all, the, the reason why I felt bad, because I was like, people are going to think we drank 12 beers. Like, there were literally four <laughs> beers left in there. But, um, he brought it up and he's like okay we have like five loads of laundry let's just like talk and have these beers and we'll do the laundry and we end up just talking about like we literally had not sat there and talked to each other and I'm not kidding you like weeks I mean yes we talked like coming and going about like the different things of the day but it wasn't like a laughing sitting there joking around like and we both just looked at each other and we were like, you know what? We needed that. Like, Aww. yes, we didn't do the laundry, but we still got to hang out. And let's talk about the importance of that in family and being life. Like, you have to touch base with your spouse, at least yes. maybe not every night, like in this beautiful way. But I, those moments are just fire, like, like sitting and not doing anything but staring at each other and just like talking about who knows what and just drinking together and laughing together and crying together and sharing stories of the day like days are so full especially when you're both busy and even if you're in, like even though johnny's home working or colin's home working there you things- don't talk no. really because <laughs> you're doing so much you're and- you just try to survive and so it's beautiful that you guys had that and i think it's so funny and perfect that the laundry was not done like full exactly and Everything. honestly like i think you have to laugh about these seasons, you know, because like they are so, they can be so stressful. They can be so hectic. So I think like having those moments with your person where you're just like, okay, we're in the middle of it. And also friends who are also in the thick of it. Um, one thing we've realized is it's really good for us to be around other families Mm -hmm. who are also open to life because, We've noticed such a like strong distinction when we're in circles where people are like not necessarily making fun of us. It's also really good to be surrounding yourself with other couples who are open to life because yeah. because it's just like it's helpful to have that support of other friends in your corner. And maybe not everybody is like completely on the same page about, you know, how you are. Um but I think that it is good to have that core group of friends who mm-hmm. are like there to support and who are also, you know, just rolling with what God sends them. Totally. Like encouraging the craziness, like even in our group text with a couple friends, us six, um, last night we were all making fun of the dinners we had last yes. night <laughs> and Chick-fil-A and, exactly. and Johnny with the tortilla for Gracie in the vet. Like that's beautiful because it doesn't have to be this uptight thing of like, we have it all together. Cause guess what? Nobody does. Yeah. So yeah. Embrace it. And then also encourage it, like encourage the joy in the comedy of life, which yeah. is so. And also, I mean, I think to wrap it up to like, just for anybody listening, because, you know, Ken's and I know from 
just community with other women and the retreats and our podcast online community that sometimes the March for Life can mm-hmm. bring up big emotions for people and, um, you know, given different experiences, whether it's like loss of a baby through abortion um, or mm-hmm. even miscarriage um, or stillbirth. So, you know, if you're listening to this and that is um, your story, we just want to encourage you to find someone to continuously be talking to about these things because they are wounds that take a long time to heal. Um, But healing is so possible. And we've seen such beautiful healing on our retreats with women who have walked down that road. Um, And so whether it's at one of our retreats or at a different experience, like Ken's and I just want anyone listening to know that you are not alone in that. Amen. Everyone needs healing in about every area of life. And so don't be afraid to go out and seek it. What are one of the things you share with um, some of our post-abortive women? Be It's a group um, online. Oh, Project Rachel. Project Rachel. And I have since then shared a few um, with a few women that as well, because we have sent some friends there. And I think that's huge. I, we've heard a lot of good experience from that. And listening to our friend who speaks at our retreat, Jess Echeverry, mm-hmm. um, is another great. She's amazing. Woman. And did you end up seeing um, Abby Johnson be? <gasps> I didn't know, but I did actually. Oh my gosh, Jess. I wanted to somehow highlight her um, on our channels. Maybe we will, or we'll just get Jess on the podcast sometime. <sighs> Um, yeah, next one we should. That's a great idea. Yes, because I love how open she has been the past few days uh, mm-hmm. March with sharing her story, sharing mm-hmm. about her naming her daughter who um, she <laughs> lost to abortion. And I think like what a brave testimony women mm-hmm. like Jess who are, are healed enough to be able to share about it Yes, um, and just help other women walk down that road. Yeah. So there are so many women um, maybe that you haven't even gotten to meet yet that are willing and able to talk about this on the other side and are so yeah. free in that space. Um, so, free, yeah. so do find them. And yeah, Jess is a perfect example of that. So anyway, eh, love it. Love it all. Open. Love it all. Thanks for listening to Unraveled Podcast. To stay a part of the conversation, follow us on Instagram at Unraveled Podcast or on Spotify at The Unraveled Podcast. Thanks for listening.